Hey, we are so glad you're with us today. We're grateful for all the people who are joining us online as well. Uh, today we're starting a new series that we've entitled No Offense. And um, we're doing this because in our culture today, we are people who are, as a, as a culture, we are people who are easily offended. Can we agree with that? Or some of you are offended by that. Anyway, but uh, the idea is, is that we can be easily offended and we can not only be offended, but hold on to an offense. And point one on your outlines, and if you uh, want to find this on the app, you'll find it there as well. But point one on your outlines is simply this, that Jesus said we're supposed to be people who love folks who offend us. Okay, this is amazing stuff. And by offense, by the way, I mean taking offense, which is to become angry or upset by something that another person has said or done. Tyler Woodham is here with me this morning. He is one of the pastors on our staff team. He's at our Montgomery site. And Tyler had an event happen in his life that was very offensive. In fact, when you hear a story of an experience that he had, well, he was part of a mission trip years ago, um, you'll probably marvel at how do you ever let go of that offense. But that's why I wanted him up here because I had been going through this outline and I the other day we were talking, he shared with me the story. I go, you got to come share this story. And the idea of the whole message today is how are we able, how are we ever going to be able to love people who offend us, who say things that make us angry and upset or who do things? Because our country has never been more divided and we seem to be upset and angry about everything. Listen to the words of Jesus from the Sermon on the Mount. This is Luke chapter 6. Jesus said, but to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. If somebody slaps you on one cheek, offer the other cheek also. If someone demands your coat, offer your shirt also. Give to anyone who asks, and when things are taken away from you, don't try to get them back. Do to others as you would like them to do to you. And if you love only those who love you, why would you get credit for that? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good only to those who do good to you, why should you get any credit? Even sinners do that much. And if you lend money only to those who can repay you, why should you get credit? Even sinners will lend to other sinners for a full return. Love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. And then your reward from heaven will be very great. And you will truly be acting as children of the Most High. For he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. And you must be compassionate, for your Father is compassionate. Now this is hard for us to hear, and that's why Jesus said, if you're willing to hear this, if you're willing to listen, because the note in your outline reminds us that loving people who offend us, that's not our default setting. I mean, it isn't, is it, Tyler? No, sir. In fact, when you hear his story in a second, well... You'll see. An offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city, and arguments separate friends like a gate locked with bars. That's our normal position. That's default. You offend me, I'm done. Not working with you anymore. Never talking to you again. That's not going to happen. I am unfriending you. So how are we going to be any different? Well, we're going to give, talk about five things we can do to help us with this. But before we do, Tyler, I'd like for you to set the stage for what happened to you about 10 years ago. Sure. 
First of all, good morning. Thanks for having me. It's a, it's a privilege to share this story with you this morning. Uh, so right after college, I, I participated in a mission trip called the World Race. Uh, and it's a, through an organization called Adventures in Missions, or AIM, and they're based out of Gainesville, Georgia. But the World Race is a mission trip that takes you to 11 countries for 11 months. And the idea is to spend, of course, one month in each country. So about middle of our, of our um, month, or our, of our race, so month six, seven, and eight, we were um, on the continent of Africa. So we were in uh, Kenya, and then Tanzania, and then Uganda. And Kenya was great. We had um, seen some miracles. We, we did some sports ministries, did some construction, just kind of a, a buffet of, of missions. It was, it was wonderful. We get to Tanzania, and it's all evangelism. All right, so it's, it's sharing the gospel in schools, of course, in churches, uh, weekly revivals. It would be like a three or four night revival under these big tents, and you would have you know hundreds of people show up for this. And 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 church there, by the way, was uh, you know John share with us everything you know about God, and then when you're finished, it's your turn. Share everything you know about God. And so church would take you know eight to twelve hours a day, and it was just when the person was tired of talking, it was on to the next person, and uh, there was no break. Uh, you know for for well, it's an hour, so it's, let's wrap it up. Uh, that just didn't exist, and so uh, so it's. You had to be very comfortable in talking openly uh, about your faith and talking openly about God. And so this is in Tanzania. And one particular night, we had we had, had our, our whole day of door-to-door evangelism. That night, we had the revival, the tent meeting. At the revival, uh, when we finished, uh, a family, um, a husband and, and, and wife came up to us and said, Our son is at home. He's 11 years old. He has cancer. Would you come pray for our son? So we did that, and we go back home, and it's about 8 o'clock now, and we're staying in our contact's home, which was a pastor, and he was getting ready to move into this home. He had never even spent the first night there, but this was his home, and he was letting our team of six people, two guys, four girls, and we had um, a, a couple people from the church who were going to stay with us. We're now staying in, in this pastor's home. 8 o'clock at night, we're sitting down for our, our dinner, which was just pasta noodles, no sauce, butter and salt. That was our dinner, salt, or, uh, salt and buttered noodles. We're sitting down to eat. And then we hear these loud bangs on the back door. And not like someone's knocking, but just these loud thuds on the back door. Two of the girls get up and run to their room. Um, the rest of us stayed to, to assess the situation. But the first two girls that ran, they were correct. Uh, so while we're looking at the door, the cinder block comes through this, this hole in the door now. And then the door is kicked open, comes off the hinges. And the first person coming in uh, has a shotgun. And then a wave of people come in the room. We ended up counting 17 who were in the house. It's like something out of a movie. First guy has a shotgun, people behind him. Some of them also had guns. Um, Others had crowbars, two-by-fours, like holding them over their head, again, like a scene in a movie. And then some were empty-handed so they could just take whatever they wanted. So we we, kind of scatter. It's complete chaos. We run into uh, different rooms. Uh, Sometimes in my memory it's 30 seconds. Other times it seems like an hour. But it was about five minutes uh, that this took place. So I go into a room. uh, I shut the door. And I'm thinking instantly, um, yeah, they have, I saw a gun, so I know that they could just shoot through this door, so it's probably best if I just move out of the way. About that time, there's a kick on the door or a hit on the door. And so they, here they come into the room where I am with a couple of people from our team. Uh, the gun's pointed about a foot away from our faces, and they go to each one individually. And they say, uh, and they, they were speaking Swahili, but they were saying some English. And, uh, and what they would say in English uh, was, give me your money, give me your passport, computer, I'm going to kill you. Had they not said they were going to kill me, I probably would have thought they were going to be friends of mine and we just were all going to leave after I gave them what they wanted. Uh, so, so for, for you know, the, the, the minutes they were in there, I legitimately thought, I'm going to die here. Mm. This is it. 
you know. And again, I thought that because they told me they were going to kill me. So uh, they take the watches off our hands. They take our backpacks, computers, passports. Um, this was month seven out of 11. So we had like little handwritten letters and little trinkets that contacts and people we had served and little things, little bitty trinkets that we kind of picked up along the way up to this point. Again, you can only, you're living out of a backpack for 11 months, so you don't have that much stuff. But tent, sleeping bag, cameras, computer, passports, wallets, credit cards, all of this stuff is, is now gone. Or at least they're, they're collecting it and they're gathering. And they were taking us by the hands, walking us around, wanting to know where, you know, where you give me your passport. And then once they have everything from me, they go to you and they would say, give me your stuff. And, um, and then they, they'd walk out. And, and they, they took everything from, from most of us. Four of us lost everything. I lost everything except for my Bible and my mandal, in which... Uh, don't worry, I'm not going to play it for you this morning, but, <laughs> but uh, I'll set these here. If you want to come you want to come get your picture with it later, you can. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But, uh, but that's, that's all I had left, the two things that I had that were life-giving, the only two things I had that really weren't, weren't selfish. And, and at the time, I, I had, I'd already read the whole Bible cover to cover, but I was doing it again. And I remember I wasn't finished with it, and so uh, I wanted my Bible back. And so while the guy has my, my like, school backpack on, not my big backpack, I go over to him, and I'm like kind of unzipping it, trying to look, trying to find my, my Bible. And he looks at me, and I just said, I'm looking for my Bible. You can't have, you can't have my Bible. I wish I'd have said that about my passport, but I wasn't thinking. Uh, so I, just, I wanted my Bible. Fortunately, I see it on the nightstand, and so I just kind of let them, let them, you're welcome to go now. I just, I wanted my Bible. Again, I'll fight you over that. I'm willing to die for that. I know we could think, well, maybe they'd take it, and they'd read it and give their life to Christ. Uh, honestly, I was being selfish. I just wanted my Bible back. You can't have it. It's mine. Uh, so as they're leaving now, the, uh, and they're carrying just everything out, and I see the last guy carrying my backpack on his shoulders, and there's a little phrase. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what I said to him here in a second, but I was so happy that as I'm watching everyone walk out with everything, the two girls open up their bedroom door, and they had not been, they didn't, you know, the, the robbers didn't get into their room. The, the men didn't get into their room. Um, when they went into their room, they sat up against the door, turned off the lights, and they could see lining the windows shoulder to shoulder with people looking through their windows. So 17 men in the home. They had the house surrounded. We did have a guard. He was tied up on the front porch. So we had to bring him, untie him and bring him back in after this was over with. And so th- that, was, um, that was our five minutes of complete chaos in, uh, in Dar es Salaam, Tanzania. But one of the girls, since they didn't get into their room, they did have a video camera. And so we've made a video, I mean, immediately after the raw emotions of us walking through the home and everybody on the team say, you know, giving their, their personal account of what happened. And uh, that video, by the way, is online if, you, if, you're, if you're interested. It's rated R. No, I'm just kidding. It's, no, there's no foul language, but it's, uh, it's interesting. So Tyler went through the circumstance. I wanted you to hear that because I had an outline of five things we can do that will help us when we face a great offense to be able to let go of it. And... When he told me his story, they did all five, and you're going to see all that as we go through this. He was able to forgive and let go of the offense. Now, I want you to know that we're going to face offenses this week. I hope nobody faces one that big. And if these tips work for him, if these strategies work for him, and they're right out of the Bible, they're going to work for you and me too. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we're going to be offended this week. Guaranteed, we live in a fallen world. And some of us may have been offended on the way here or last night. And God, we're dealing with this right now. And so God, I pray that 
as Jesus said, that we will have ears that are willing to hear so we can let go of offense and not take it up and hang on to it. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Please speak and move me and Tyler out of the way. Amen. First step, when you and I face a great offense and we want to let go of the anger and the frustration that goes with that, we need to worship, we need to worship God. And we can choose that. These are things I can choose to do. By the way, taking up an offense is a choice. I can take it or I can let it go. That's why it's called taking an offense. I don't have to hang on to it. Neither do you. But this is a choice, and it begins with worship. And that's because God is the source of our strength and our comfort and any forgiveness we're ever going to be able to pass on. That's what you guys did right after this was over, because I've seen the video, and you took the mandolin and you started playing a song. Is that right? Yes, sir. We, we you know, our team, um, I was very fortunate to travel with people who, who they knew the scripture, like they had read it themselves. So we learned from, um, we followed the example of Paul and Silas when they're in prison and it's about midnight and they start singing hymns and spiritual songs and praying and their chains set free, not only theirs, but everyone around them, their chains were loosened and uh, loosened as well. Uh, but I like that the scripture includes that it's about midnight when this takes place and I take from that that when the, when the night is the darkest, our worship should be the loudest, or at least present. Uh, I think for some of us, when, the, when it gets darkest, we just neglect worship. We begin to dispute with God instead of worshiping with the Lord. So since they left um, my Bible and my mandolin, and Trevor, the other guy on the team, he had a guitar, and they, for some reason, didn't take that, um, or didn't see it. It was, it was behind a door. And so we, uh, we began to play it as well, um, the, the hymn. All of us knew that hymn, so we started playing it as well with my soul. And it was, it was strange because then shortly after that, because we're waiting, by the way, they relocated us. AIM relocated us about four hours later to a different home. So we had about four hours to sit in this home, not knowing if people were going to come back. And so we thought, if they're going to come back, they're going to have to break up now a worship service. And so we're singing it as well with my soul. And we started hearing children uh, you know, talking outside. Well, we know the children didn't rob us. At this time, um, again, the guy who was tied up, he goes back outside now, our guard. And, uh, and he comes back in and tells us there's just people from the community just gathered, just standing outside, listening to us worship. But uh, that was our, our, um, our response, because we knew, although this isn't easy, this is exactly what, what God would want us to do, is to turn completely to him in worship and thanking God that he spared us our life and delivered us from this. Yeah, because think about this. When we worship, sometimes we define worship only as what we're doing right now, whether we're watching online or in person here, just that activity we do for an hour on Sunday morning. It's much more than that. It's coming into God's presence and acknowledging that even if people take everything that we have in this world, and they took everything except for those two things, everything you had, but they didn't touch your eternal inheritance. They didn't touch your relationship with God, and they couldn't steal the peace that he was able to give you. Is that right? That's right. That's why worship is so important. Listen to what uh, Psalm 95 says. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. We are the people he watches over, the flock under his care. If that's good news to you this morning, that God is watching over you and you're in his care, then would you say amen? amen. Now look, you were on a mission trip. God had been doing mighty things through your whole team. He was watching over you and they, and they didn't physically harm any of you. Not the two guys or the girls. Correct. And they could have. Mm -hmm. And so you guys immediately 
came and worshiped. And you know what's amazing is the people from the neighborhood came around to see how these Christians were going to respond. I mean, what if that was you and me this week? When we get offended, we run to God and worship. That's why Paul and Silas sang. And the whole jail listened and joined in. Our world is so easily offended and people are starving for hope and somebody who is different. That's different. And it begins with worship because God is the source of love. And that's the only place we're going to get love to love people who won't love us back. God is a source of kindness and truth. And that's the only place we're going to find it when people treat us like dirt. Secondly, you and I can choose to surrender our right to be offended. If you open up that outline, if you're here with us, we can choose to surrender the right to be offended. Philippians 2, the Apostle Paul said, Don't be selfish and don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he didn't think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God, and he died a criminal's death on the cross. I have to give up. If I'm going to be available to love people, then I have to give up my right to be offended. And they actually went over this with you when they sent you on this mission trip, right? Yes, sir. So the organization... Um AIM, Adventures and Missions, they, they have a training camp before they just send you out. So you don't just sign up and then they send you. You have to go through like an interview process and then they want to make sure you're not crazy and running away from anything. Um, and so uh, we have a training camp. It's a 10-day training camp. Ours was in October. Again, we left in January, but in October of 2009, we had a training camp. And, uh, and I think it was like night two or three, but the first five days of that was all about the missionaries. And the last, the, the last five days were all about the mission and other cultures. And so on night two or three, um, a speaker came up and, and he said, and the first thing out of his mouth was, some of you are too easily offended. And you could just feel it in the room, like there was just this tension, like people were offended. He hadn't even given examples of what offends you, and he just, and, and this was 2009, imagine if he says that today, heads would have exploded. <laughs> and so he, he says, some of you are too easily offended, and you're not free because you're offended by everything. And, and again, this is what he was telling us, some of you have become professional victims, uh, and, and men, you need to toughen up and be godly men. Some of you women need to toughen up and be godly women. I mean, it was very, again, he is, at this point, he had been speaking for about a minute and a half. And, and already, uh, I felt like everybody in the room wanted to fight this man. Uh, but, but I started thinking, I think he's right. You know? uh, and so his, the whole point for that evening, and this was about a two-hour um, session uh, this time, and his whole point was we have to lay down our right to be offended. And he goes through different scriptures. And one was John 3.30 where John the Baptist says that Jesus must increase and I must decrease. Another one was Hebrews 10 about how you, you will gladly, um, some of you need to learn to, to accept and joyfully accept the confiscation of your property. Because what's going to happen with some of you this next year, some of you may lose your property. And so AIM was, was really, I thought, doing a good job of, of setting the expectation for these are some possible things that could happen to you in the next year. They also encouraged you to have these, um, these team meetings. And, and they, they encouraged it nightly, although our team wouldn't have survived if we did this every single day. But about once a week was all we were good for, sometimes every other week. But it was the opposite of if you don't have something nice to say, don't say anything at all. And this was, okay, it's your turn tonight. And the other five of us are, gonna, are going to critique whatever we want to critique about you, and you cannot respond to it. 
And if I have nothing to critique, I'm just going to shake my head no, and it'll go to the next person. But again, the reasoning was, the, the hope was for edification, not to just tear people down, but rather uh, practice not getting offended. If I come to you and say out of love, hey, you're a little bit arrogant when you said, hey, this was rude. When you, hey, you came across like this today. And the whole point was, if we can't trust one another as a team, as a family, when you get out into the world, and as Jesus says, the world will hate you, but keep in mind the world hated him first, you're going you're to completely crack to the pressure of the world and the words of the world because we aren't taking uh, accountability ourselves. All right, so this is step two in your outline here. We can choose to surrender our right to be offended every morning. What if I woke up, and, and I'm not going on a mission trip to Tanzania, but I'm going to work at my office. I'm walking out the door in my neighborhood. I'm waking up to my family and sometimes it's a sibling or a spouse. They know how to push your buttons more than anybody in the whole world. And what if I made up my mind at the beginning of the day, Lord, I worship you. You're the source of love. And with your help today, I lay down my right to be offended before it even happens. We're going into a world where people are going to offend us. The Apostle Paul again, Galatians 2.20. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. It's really hard to offend somebody who's died to all their rights. How can you offend that person? I know I'm going to be offended today, Lord, so when it comes, help me show love before the day even begins. Thirdly, what about every evening we choose to let go of any anger or resentment we may have picked up during the day? Because as much as we surrender it before it starts, we're still going to have things that offend us. And what happens then before I go to bed is it's important for me to surrender that back to God so I don't carry it over to the next day. There's an amazing scripture here in Ephesians 4:26. It says, and don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. And you see, if we get offended and we don't let go of that, that carries over to tomorrow. And now there's more offense added on that and on that. And the devil gives compound interest. And now I am fit to be tied. And I'm of no use to the kingdom of God. I'm not even fun to be around by anybody. And this is why it's so important to let go of offenses before they start, but at the end of the day, to surrender any that you might have picked up, even with the best intentions. Because that happened to y'all. You had to make a choice to let go, right? We did. Uh, yes, sir. We, we had the conversation. Again, we had about four hours for them to relocate us to, to another location. It um, didn't take us long to pack, uh, but, we, <laughs> but, we were, uh, but we were waiting there for about four hours. And, and we, we as a team had agreed, and again, we were going to hold each other accountable with this agreement that not only will this be in the past, but this will be a, a physical location that I left the, the, any anger or bitterness that I would have allowed to ferment within me, I'm going to leave it in this home. I'm not taking it with me to the next location. I'm not taking it with me to tomorrow. Because we all discuss and agree that if we, if we do carry this to tomorrow and next week, and if we can't let go of this tonight, we're ultimately going to rob ourselves of a joy and a peace um, for the remainder of the, you know, the next four months on, on this mission trip. Yeah, and all the people you can minister to, you're not going to be available to them because you're still trapped back emotionally in Tanzania. Mm -hmm. Well, that's the same as me. 
I'm trapped in the junk that happened on Monday last week. And now I can't even enjoy what God has for me today. Doesn't have to be a mission trip. Worship God. Every morning, say, Lord, I surrender my right to be offended. Every evening, Lord, I got offended, and I want to surrender whatever I picked up. I let go of my anger and my resentment, and I ask you to fill me with love and joy and peace. Resentment is not a fruit of the Spirit. It's not. Fourthly, we can pray for the people who offend us. Actually pray for them. And this is why you have to start with God. God has to give you love for that because that's not our default setting. Jesus said, you've heard the law that says love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And that way you'll be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. Paul wrote in Romans 12, bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. And you actually did that too. We did. Yeah. And again, I feel like right now I sound like an all-star, but uh, this, don't worry, this will end badly for me before we, uh, before we get out of here. But in this moment, um, they're walking out. Again, I told you, they're, they're in it like single file now walking out of the home. As soon as they get out, I'm gonna, we're going to go check on the two girls that made it to their room first and shut the door and leaned up against it and wouldn't let them in. And I'm watching as, as I mean, we're all distraught. And, and, and watching as these, as these men carry suitcases and these big backpacks and, and computers and cameras and just carrying stuff and then robbing the man's kitchen, taking furniture, just walking with anything they could out of this home. And I'm watching as they carry all of my teammates' stuff out. And then finally, the, the last guy, the very last guy, has my backpack on him. Not just my school backpack, but I mean like my big backpack that I was living out of. He has that on his back. And I tried to learn one phrase in every language. I tried to learn God bless you in every language. And, uh, and I failed, but I, for some reason, did remember it in Swahili for, for this moment. And as he's walking away, I said, Mungu Akubariki, which again means God bless you. And he stopped, and he had just rounded the corner, and then he stopped, and he, and he came back, and he looked at me. And again, like no, no wave, no head nod, no, there was no agreement here. He just make eye, made eye contact with me and puts his head down and, and continues walking with, with my stuff. But again, I knew then we're going to have to pray for these people. We prayed for them that night because with other missionaries that lost more than we have, people in other parts of the world, missionaries or non-missionaries, have lost more than we had, so we weren't going to allow ourselves to be the victim of, of you know, what they had taken from us. But we did try to leave them with a blessing of, hey, I know you are robbing us, but I can honestly say God bless you as you leave. I'm not going to be able to do that unless the Lord gives me love. But not only do I want to pray for them, Jesus said we need to choose to do good. We need to choose, this is step number five, we need to choose to do good to those who offend us. That's one step beyond praying for them. We need to choose to do good. And when you give someone a blessing, that's important. I mean, Proverbs 24 says, don't rejoice when your enemies fall and don't be happy when they stumble, Exodus 23, back when Moses was getting the Ten Commandments, this was already one of the commandments. Hey, if you have a, a friend or an enemy and his, and his animal gets loose, his ox or donkey is straight away, take it back. Or if an animal's stumbling under a load, go help. Don't let it struggle. And this is all throughout the Scripture, and Jesus is saying it's important we do this. And that's not going to happen without the Lord's strength. Why we begin with worship? But you were tested on this even after the event. 
Right, right. This is where I'm kicked off the all-star team. Um, we, uh, <laughs> we began to get emails. We had to, you know, the, the organization wants you to blog every week whenever you go through really anything. And so not only is there video footage of it, but we had to, we had to every, all of us had to write an article and put it online. And, and we had to remove some of the comments because they were, you know, they, people were frustrated with the organization for sending us there. They were frustrated with us for staying there, not coming home. But I'm, I'm a highly competitive person. And in sports, that's called competitive. In life, that's just called stubborn. And I felt like the devil was going to win if we come home. Like there's more work to do. This is only month seven. We still have four more months. Are you kidding me? No way I'm going home. And so uh, he, dealing with, with people who would, who would send me emails directly, you need to get rid of this. Uh, you need to leave this uh, organization. Or if I were you, I would just vacation for the next four months and do whatever you wanted and let them pay for it. And we heard some pretty, some pretty nasty things, or at least some things that, again, they were, those were more offensive to me than, than the fact that we were just robbed. And I remember one of the things I even wrote uh, and, and that we had to write and post was um, my, my concern was that people would read this and say, see, this is why you don't need to go on mission trips. This is why you never need to leave your house. And I didn't want to give Tanzania a bad name. You know, I didn't want to see uh, the church get a bad name or missionaries get a bad name or Christian organizations get a bad name. And I was really struggling with that because that, 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 that seemed to not go away. Even when I came home, people wanted to hear that story. And then everyone had a little comment that they wanted to say. Uh, and, I, and I felt like, you know, if, if you weren't the one that was robbed, why are you more offended about it than I am? This didn't even happen to you. And yet you've now written off this group of people or this organization, and you wouldn't even have known had I not even shared this with you. And so that for me, I, the, the thing that I struggled really to, to let go of and to not let the, the bitterness ferment for me was when I came home, how are people responding to what had just happened to us? We're going to get offended this week. It's coming. We live in a fallen world. But Jesus said, greater is he who lives in you than he who lives in the world. Can I get an amen on that? Jesus wants us to be like him. And if we spend time in worship with God, celebrating his goodness and asking him to live in every part of our lives, and we let go of the offenses. He saw what was done to us. He saw what happened to y'all. And he protected you. He did. There was plenty to give thanks over. And when you guys worshiped, that drew people. When you and I worship, when you and I decide to be unoffended before the day begins, when you and I surrender anything that we may have picked up along the way, when you and I pray for people and treat them with kindness, even though they don't deserve it, that's grace. And remember, God gave you amazing grace when he sent his son to die for your sins and mine on the cross. I didn't deserve that either. And so right now, we're going to pray for that. We're going to pray that God does something mighty in our lives this week. And we let go of offense. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for what you did in Tyler's life. I thank you for that mission team. And Lord, I thank you that in a scary, horrible, awful experience, you taught him about grace. You taught him about forgiveness. You taught him about letting go of offenses. God, I pray before this week even begins that I will let go of offenses before they happen and that you will give me the grace to let go of things that offend me online, that offend me in the news, that offend me in my neighborhood, that offend me politically, that offend me economically, that offend me in any way. I pray in advance right now, Lord, that you will give me the grace to understand when this comes that I don't have to take this and hold on to it. 
I surrender my own stubbornness. I surrender my own right to be offended. And I ask that you would give me love for people who have flatly been mean to me. Lord, you loved me, and you died for me while I was still yet a sinner. And God, I don't have that kind of love on my own. But you will give me the desire and the power to do what pleases you, and that's what I want today. Thank you, Lord, for hearing my prayer. In the name of Jesus, amen.